Masonic Light Podcast. This is Past Master Moira calling with my uh, critique review of episode 93, author, brother Ronald Bates, who wrote a book entitled Shakespeare's Lost Purple Bloodline. Man, that guy's intense. Threw a lot of information out there, a lot of theories. Um, my head is still spinning. Dutchie Doug was hilarious, explaining uh, the facilities or outhouse at his lodge and the uh, troubles Brother Eli had when the floorboards cracked and he fell into the you-know-what. Then, uh, let's see, after the author left the episode, you guys had about a 10-minute talk about trustees and lodge investments or appendant body investments. That was very interesting and Probably you should have an episode just with talking about trustees and, and investments. Michelle Snyder's explanation of the gavel was very interesting. And let's see, Jim, Brother Jim Stevens, Business of the Lodge, brief. Uh, real nice talk on leadership. And Brother Cronkite, cut off due to the COVID-19 pandemic. That's a shame. So I guess we won't hear any news from him for a while. And lastly, I'm going to get to Larry Maris. Maris, Pete Ruggieri gave you some notes for the episode. You didn't have them. They asked the author where they could buy his book. He said on Amazon. A minute later, you asked, where can I get the book? They told you on Amazon. And lastly, nobody gives two hoots about your love for chicken pot pie. So just drop it. You're getting old. You're repeating yourself. We've heard this pot pie story numerous times, especially at... Goose and Gridiron Breakfast, so just let it go. That's my critique. I'm going to listen to episode 94 shortly. I'll be back. Bye. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hey, good evening, everybody. Hey, welcome. It's Pete and the guys here. It's episode 96. 96. 96. 90. Oh, man. That hurts. Yeah. And um, what's really crazy is this is our first recording post the Night's Quarantine live show. <sighs> Can we call that PV? Post virus? No, we can't call it that. <laughs> So, um, you know, one of the things we're going to do tonight is we're just going to have a little recap and talk about how that went. And um, I don't know. That's pretty much about it. So uh, we'll start off with you, Jack. Um, Normally we'd say, what have you been up to Masonically? But we've all been up to the same thing. (laughs) We've been up to our ears in it. It's been great. It was a lot of lot of work to get ready for, but it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, I'm just I'm flabbergasted, really. It was crazy, um, you know. Basically, 
Jack wrote this script and then I made some drawings, <laughs> some renderings. <laughs> and then Josh put lots of stuff together in a PowerPoint and somehow we all came together and made a, uh, a, a show with live voice actors. With audience participation. What do we have? Eight characters, eight actors all together. I think it's eight or ten. We, no, it doesn't matter. I can't count that high anymore. Uh, anyway. But it was, uh, despite me sending out the wrong URL a couple times. <laughs> I like how you uh, included that in the uh, in the degree, by the way. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the callback. I learned that from Dave Chappelle. You know, you got to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting, and but what I can't believe was how many people were actually on the call. Amazing. Uh, it was like what two hundred, I think, total. Yeah, we yeah, saw we, one ninety-seven. But yeah, we had cast and everybody else. It was over two hundred people on a Zoom call. Who paid to be on a Zoom call? Who paid $30 to be on a Zoom call? Right. I mean, when we started thinking about this, we, we the first look at, at the jewels was 50, maybe. And we were going to have leftovers. And, right, <laughs> and we were trying to figure out how to sell them at the, at the antique stores. But it just to, to have 200 people. Um, and then, and uh, yeah, it, it just, it, it still boggles my mind, honestly. But I th- there, are, uh, you know, there may be people listening to this that don't know what we're talking about. Um, if you don't, th- it was like Pete said, it was a it was a degree we threw to gre- de- together um, in. We recorded, I think, on the twenty fifth. Yes. Um, and Seth Anthony, at the end of his corpora obscurum, just kind of whispered sideways and said, "Hey, wouldn't it be interesting if we put together a degree?" about this quarantine thing and we kicked it around a little bit and it, it I, I was telling Mike Moran I, it, it actually after I got started with it, it it really almost wrote itself you know it's a classic hero's tale uh you know an, an, an unsuspecting uh, young hero is assigned a task that he doesn't understand or whatever and he sent out into the world, and and it really, it really contains all the stuff that you'd look for in a hero's tale. It was, it was, it kind of wrote itself. It was kind of interesting. And I was really amazed at, like, people were on that call from all over, like all over the world, all yeah. over the that world. The- yeah, there's Scott. We had guys from Scotland, from um, UK, from Australia. I think we had a couple Canadians in there. It yeah. Just Mind-boggling. And, um, you know, I'd like to thank all the Freemasons worldwide that um, set the bar pretty low, that actually thought that we did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) We got some high praise despite a mediocre job. Well, I think also, I mean, we overcame a lot of obstacles. I mean, in addition to, uh, I mean, what people didn't know is the original link for the call I sent to Pete was wrong. Uh, and then I, but I caught it and sent him the correct one, but then he sent the wrong one out. Um, but then literally at the almost the last minute, 
Uh, we should probably mention uh, that our buddy Larry Maris is not on the show tonight. Um, he's uh, he had um, a medical emergency that developed. He's okay, uh, but he uh, literally the last minute we were uh, scurrying around. Number one, making sure he was okay, but filling a role kind of last minute. Um, and um, then it, as Jack said, it's it's been amazing the response that we've gotten from this. Um, we had made mentioned, I think, on our last show about um, a nightly toast uh, that we're doing. Uh, uh, Eureka West Shore 302 has been sponsoring. Since the show, um, people have been jumping on that, bringing friends with them, uh, and continuing to talk about this degree. Um, I think we, I think we struck a nerve and I think what it says is people are looking for stuff. They're looking for Masonic. Um, they're looking for something Masonic, however they can get it. And we just happen to be the only game in town, um, you know, outside of the professional stuff that, uh, the Northern Majors, uh, Masonic jurisdiction does, uh, on Thursdays. But And I, I hope that there were people that, uh, came to us for the first time and, and came to understand that you can have fun in this right. fraternity. Yes. You know, there's, there's a lot of very, there's a lot of seriousness and there should be, but there's also an opportunity to just, you know, let your hair down and have fun. And, and that's what we did. And that's really what the show is all about. So hopefully there'll be some people that um, can, can sort of, I don't know, recalibrate their Freemasonry a little bit uh, and, the uh, the the one thing I found really funny was when we started kicking this around and we started designing the jewel to work with the degree. <laughs> this is amazing. John Bridegroom came up with this amazing design. He's from the masterscraft.net. And you have to take us back in time a few weeks ago when we knew even less than we know now about the COVID-19. And they were making predictions of, you know, mass casualties and like, oh, like we just, so if you know me personally, I'm not normally the voice of reason. <laughs> so, but like I, I looked at the jewel and I'm like, it's a little scary. It's a little dark, you know, maybe we need to like lighten it up a little bit because we don't want people to get the wrong opinion. Yeah. We didn't know if there were going to be bodies in the street with this thing. I mean, that was the scary. By that time, yeah, we yeah, yeah. who knew? So uh, I mean, I think we totally made the right call in changing the jewel, but continue with the story. <laughs> yeah, so we changed the jewel to a like kind of a more like emoji looking like face with a mask on, and it's cool. And people signed up, and you know, we had two hundred people sign up for this degree. Well. A couple people saw the original design and were like, hey, you know, if you make that, I'll buy it. So I'm like, hey, uh, John, maybe we should sell some of these just for our show. Well, in the next, I don't know, 36 hours, I've sold 153 of the original jewel with a scary looking guy on it. <laughs> But uh, if you buy what one of those, ropes call it the jewel sinister, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, that money will go to help buy us new microphones. That won't make our show any better. It'll just make us sound less crappy. 
But, um, you know, anyway, it's a great success. I, I, I think, and now what's going on is lodges are reaching out to us. If, um, they could play our degree in like a zoom call with their lodge. And I just think that's amazing. I, yeah, I can't, I, I can't even wrap my arms around that, but you know, maybe, maybe someday in a hundred years, the, the future Pikes and Mackeys will be uh, writing treatises about the, uh, the deeper meaning of this degree. Who knows? Well, and two, <laughs> two, two different, like legitimate Masonic uh, publications have Which, reached out. Yep. Yep. They have. I mean, and it, you know, I mean, and I was working with one of the fellows uh, on, on the, the framework for an article and you know what? It, it's all there. It, it it's you know you, the 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 characters all have a place and they all have a signification. And if you're really the kind of person that looks for symbols, whether they were intentional or not, you know it's it's all kind of there. Uh, it, it's a, it it's it's ironic, but it's um, uh, I don't know. It's, it surprises even me now when I'm looking at it. You know, I, I think it, it proves the point that all of us that helped with the, with the, with the, the degree um, were passionate about it. Even like the people who had a small voice part, they made time to be on it because it was interesting to them. And if, you know, if you, there, what's the, there's a, I don't know what, if it's, ritual or not, but like, you know, anything that's to be done worthwhile, you, you know, you should do it properly. Well, we put a lot of effort into it and guess what? We got a lot of response. And I just think that's something that if you just go to your lodge and you half-ass a degree and you half-ass something, your lack of interest is going to translate and people aren't going to be into it and they're not going to show up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So is, uh, my understanding is we're, th this will be our next episode. Uh, is that correct, Pete? Yeah, I think my the working plan is that you know we're talking on episode ninety six, episode ninety seven. We're actually going to play the the episode for everyone, and then at the same time we'll put our uh, the video of it up on the website, so you can see our faces moving like. Uh, I don't know, MST3K, but it was fun. And, you know, you could tell that all the people that were watching it were just starved for some companionship and fellowship. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was nice. And then the um, Tim's call afterwards, like we said, there was like 40 people on it from all over the world on his uh, toast call. Yeah. Well, and it continued the next night and it's continuing on. People are, it's expanding. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Pete. Uh, people just are ready for some Masonic companionship. Well, that's awesome. So I guess for the rest of our episode tonight, um, you know, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and you're going to hear a conversation that Tim and I had with uh, Daniel DiNatale from Buffalo and Isaac Moore from the Bronx and talk about a few different interesting things. It's a, Mainly um, illegal, illegal Hawaiian shirts, <laughs> among other things. I know nothing. 
All right. So take a quick break, and we'll come back with uh, with a with an interview. Why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove and Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. everybody hey it's uh pete and tim and we are with our special guest tonight daniel di natale from pittsburgh not pittsburgh buffalo see it's this the left side sorry about that (laughs) so daniel welcome welcome to the show thank you thank you it's another steel tom we'll let it slide okay yeah it's uh i think buffalo may be less depressing than pittsburgh i would agree completely (laughs) <laughs> you get better food maybe too i would agree completely <laughs> really good there so um daniel uh tell us a little bit about yourself you're from buffalo are you the worshipful master this year or you were a past master oh i'm a, I'm a pastor I'm a, I'm a right worshipful i was district deputy 2018 no 2016 to 2018 um, I'm past master of uh, Harmony Lodge number 699 OM in Buffalo. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. In Pennsylvania, you don't get called right worshipful until you're like in charge of the whole state. Yeah. The titles, I, I'm an honorary member in Oregon and they made me an honorary past master. And the way they explained it to me was that it, uh, they, it like it, I got this dues card that says most worshipful on it. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, most worshipful. What does that mean? It's like, oh, it's like, like an honorary thing. We give it to people who are honorary members. And I'm like, that's awesome because in New York, it means something totally different. So I got the right. certificate that says most worshipful on my, on my, in my bar. And I just laugh every time I walk by it. <laughs> um, and we did just cover before I remembered to turn the microphone on um, <laughs> that or the recorder on that you are deemed essential. So you are busy working during this whole pestilence and plague. I am. I'm, I'm, I was in, I work in downtown Buffalo. I'm in the, the financial industry and, uh, yeah, we're still essential in there every day. So the world hasn't changed too much for me, but it you know the, the the world around me certainly has, and it's it's scary. But you know it's good that I can you know the one thing I guess it's good about a bank being open is at least it's a feeling of some kind of normalcy. So I mean that's that, that feels good at least. I mean, I guess your commute's a lot shorter. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes, <laughs> and, and, and gas is a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Apparently it's negative $37 a barrel today. So if you, we can afford to buy a tanker. Let's get it done. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so, Daniel, the reason why we have you here today is uh, you gave a uh, speech or a speech, a Zoom presentation last week for the Grand Lodge of New York. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it was on the, the history, form, and function of tracing boards. Um, so what we're doing at the, the Grand Lodge of New York. So I'm, I'm on the Leadership and Educational Services Committee for the Grand Lodge of the State of New York. And with everything that's going on, you know, we, we wanted to provide something. And we took a program that we were actually going to be using for um, really leadership training. And we took it apart and we used all the technology that we were going to use for that. And we changed it and now are providing online lecture courses and all sorts of other on- online content. Um, so last week was our first speaker series. Um, so I spoke on the history, form, and function of uh, the Masonic Tracing Board. Very neat. And you said it was uh, very well attended. Uh, do you know how many people were online with you? Yeah, a little over 50. Um, when we had brothers from all over the world, so I, um, I, I've um, lectured with the Grand Lodge of Portugal and helped them um, with the history and function of tracing boards for their ritual. They're currently um, doing some updating and they wanted to know how these objects would work inside their ritual. So actually, last time I gave this presentation, it weirdly enough was on Zoom to the Grand Lodge of Portugal uh, about a year ago. Um, and then we had brothers from all over Canada and a couple of brothers from Virginia. So it was really, really, you know, a good smattering of, uh, of brothers from all over the world, which I guess goes to show you that Masons everywhere want to want to hear something. So, I mean, we don't expect you to uh, give your whole presentation, but can you tell us, you know, a, a, an abridged version of your, uh, of the, of the tracing board history? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, when I first joined uh, Masonry, I, I was involved in a, in a lodge that was starting to go into the direction of traditional observance. And I was an apprentice. I didn't know what that was. Um, but as I started to learn, um, some of the other younger members that were, were, were new to the lodge um, were really forcing that to be a thing. And it actually ended up happening four or five years ago. We actually became recognized by the Grand Lodge of the state of New York as an observant lodge. We're actually one of the first. Um, and in, in that quest, I learned about tracing boards. It was actually one of the first traditional Masonic practices we brought back. I know it sounds weird, but in the States, the tracing board um, kind of got skipped over. It, 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 it fell apart in some respects and how we use it ritually. Uh, and my whole presentation really goes through the history of where this object came from inside of Masonic history and, and what is its context? What does it really mean and how is it used? Uh, it really takes it from the beginning. So where it found itself in ritual uh, in the Edinburgh Registry House manuscript and in Three Distinct Knocks. Um, and then as we trace it through Masonic history, we find that there was a progression of how lodges were described. So in modern times, when I say, hey, I'm going to lodge, we're talking about a building most of the time. We're saying, oh, I'm going to the lodge building. You know, I'm, I'm meeting in the lodge room. Well, our early brothers, they met in bars, you know, barns. They met in fields sometimes. When they said they were going to lodge, they didn't mean a physical thing. It actually meant an object, in my in my, in my my opinion, or, or a sanctified space that they would use objects on that eventually over time would progress to these objects of tracing boards. Uh, so they really, the concept of the word lodge starts with this, 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 object of the tracing board. And then as we start to build more elaborate and more beautiful temples, um, they kind of go away because the props become all around us. And now with masonry's kind of change, you're seeing a loss of our great buildings uh, and a return to some of these ritual uses because we need these symbols back. And it's, um, you know, I give, like, when I give a historical lecture, I use a, a visual prop. You know, there's, it's pretty common in, in a lot of grand jurisdictions, but they don't understand where the practice comes from. That's where my, my work comes in. 
do you see that, uh, you know, with uh, this big push with doing all this stuff on Zoom right now and social distancing, and I would imagine even with um, whenever this gets relaxed, because we have so many elderly members, you know, we're not going to have full lodge rooms for quite a while. Do you, do you foresee any of this stuff creeping back into our ritual if we're going to be more um, without a building, if we're going to be doing stuff online more? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Um, I mean, it already was. So, I mean, it, it, I think the concept, again, of how we view lodge space is going to change. And it already was changing. We're seeing it in New York right now. Like in Buffalo, um, Buffalo, I mean, to give a little history of my great city, second biggest city in the state. Um, Buffalo in its heyday was as wealthy as any other major city in the, in the world. It actually had more per capita millionaires at the turn of the century than any other city in America. Um, so when Buffalo was in its heyday, it was like crazy wealthy. Um, so we built edifices to rival edifices. There were temples that were built in the city of Buffalo that were unlike anything built in the country. Um, and then as Buffalo went on its decline, we lost those great temples. Um, and now we, we meet, you know, God, God's truth lodge building that I meet in is, uh, is, an, is a funeral home. <laughs> At least it was. <laughs> and they, and they retrofitted it into a Masonic edifice. Uh, but the temple wasn't built to our purpose. It was just available. Um, and there aren't really that many purpose-built Masonic buildings left. So the, the use of props is almost a necessity. Um, I see them coming back just as brothers needing to help during the, you know, the, the ritual work, um, they use them as aids. So to have purpose-built props that fit the ritual we're giving, and then also can be used to expound a greater lesson, naturally find their place back in the work because that's how it always was. They should always have been there. Very cool. Um, we just had our special visitor just pop on as well. Um, would you like to, mystery visitor, would you like to say something? Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, God. <laughs> Hello, from the Bronx. <laughs> I got Daniel, do you recognize oh, this voice from your past? I Ambrose Moore. <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> how you doing, Isaac? Good, my brother. How are you? How's, oh. how's Western New York? You still have snow? No, no, no. It only snowed last week and everything's fine again. They just got some up in uh, the mid-Hudson Valley. Oh, geez. I'm hoping it doesn't do it anymore. You know, it's sad when I'm looking forward to rain. It's <laughs> springtime in Western New York. So, yeah, we had to balance things out with a Western New Yorker and an Eastern New Yorker uh, and find the dichotomy. A balance, a balance indeed. <laughs> so... Um, Tell, tell us a little bit more, uh, Daniel, before we uh, get into Isaac's um, uh, brass hattery about uh, about your tracing board lecture. Um, how long how long do you usually do this when you talk about it in Lodge? Uh, the full program, probably about an hour, hour and a half. Um, so it goes through the again the origin of where the object comes from. So where 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 it is in ritual, even in our starting days. Then it goes through the lodge form. So there's um, a diagram. If, if you ever want to look it up, it's in a it's in a, a Masonic exposure from the 1700s called Jenkins and Boaz. And inside there, they have a chart. And um, it took me forever to figure out what they meant by it. And then it just clicked. It's the chart by the chart they meant. It's what they drew on the floor: chalk, charcoal, and clay. 
have a, a actual purpose. They're not there on accident. You know, I get a lot of brothers who, who get into the deep alchemic meaning of it. And that's true, but more often than not, things have a practical purpose. In this instance, they absolutely have a practical purpose. They were used to draw the lodge space. Uh, and that lodge space then grows into a three-dimensional object in some respects. The symbols we use become more complicated. The lessons we teach become more esoteric. Um, and in doing that, the lodge space becomes more complicated. And then they go from you know drawing it on the floor to having the master's carpet. And then from the master's carpet to having a you know an actual board. And then in some respects, at least in the States, from the board to elaborate temple buildings that became three-dimensional props for the works that we give. Um, and that you know clearly connects the 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 tracing board and in pennsylvania actually hey pennsylvania um in your ritual for dedicating a lodge space um it actually says that the lodge is consecrated by placing it in the middle and then in the little asterisk says around the board and it's like oh, oh so it's not the actual building at all and it's not it's an object they're talking about the tracing boards very neat um and how many times do you think you've done this presentation? Uh, 25, 30, <laughs> at least. Um, so now we'll bounce over to you, Isaac. Isaac, you're what you're a member of, is Mariner's your main lodge? Mariner's Lodge, number 67 in uh, New York City. <laughs> Very cool. And I showed up this year for your uh, beef, steak, beef steak banquet. Yeah, it was, it was, that was a pretty tame one this year. They, they tend to uh, get a bit rowdy. But that was, was a lot of fun. Daniel, you were there too, weren't you? Not this year. I could, I was, well, you know, if I would have known everything was going to happen the way it, it did, I would have gone, but I was supposed to be in New York like six times already this year. <laughs> and it, I'm like, something had to give. And that was it. I, I went to the one the year before though. Yeah. I guess what I forget sometimes here is that uh, I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm two and a half hours from New York city. You're further. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it like eight hours away? Eight hour drive? Uh, yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. What is it? It's three and a half, four to get to Utica. That's dead center. It's about six to get to Albany. Yeah. It's, yeah. About, about, about that, I think. Uh, Isaac, could you tell our, uh, our listeners and uh, tell Tim, cause he's really quiet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell us about a little bit about the uh, Mariner's Lodge. Uh, I was really taken by the, just how unique everything was. Um, well, <coughs> excuse me. Where would you like me to start? Just the uh, festive boards or history? Well, let's, well, let's, let's just kind of do a brief history, and then we'll get into the festive board um, a little. Well, our lodge was founded in 1825 by the Schismatic City Grand Lodge of the uh, State of New York. Um, somewhere, I think it's around 1830, uh, or whenever they formed. Daniel, do you remember when they formed the current Grand Lodge? Um, it, 1830 you know, like, something? It would have been because of the first Grand Master of it came from Buffalo, like the Buffalo, yeah. and the second came from Buffalo. I should know so that. They, they asked us to join. Um, we originally, Mariner's Lodge 389, I want to say. And then we got a lower number because we were one of the, the first lodges that uh, came in, came into the fold. Um, we were founded by sailors and our, our due structure and we were set up so that, you know, brother could go out to sea and not pay his dues for two or three years and come back and not be in arrears. Hmm. Um, 
there were a couple examples. Um, one one good brother uh, passed away at sea, and his dues were not up to date. And uh, they brought him in a, in a pickle barrel to the door of the lodge, and his dues weren't up to date, and the uh, the secretary refused to accept him. <laughs> that's wow, very nice. from like you know 1828 wow. or something like that um over time you know we evolved and, and you know changed with the city and uh currently <clears throat> i'd say the past 10 to 12 years we've had a real resurgence um primarily from the work of right worshipful samuel lloyd kinsey and uh, Brother Alessandro Galliardi, who lives in San Francisco now. And we focused a lot on ritual work, making things more of a challenge, and you have to earn things more to, to become a member of the Lodge. And we raised our dues. And, um, <laughs> you know, you'd think that, that's, that would be contrary to, to making things work well, but it did. Um, so, you know, it takes, you show up to your first, your first, uh, Meredith function as a guest, you're not handed a petition for a minimum of half a year. So you're going to come to six, eight months of dinners and events before you're even given a petition. And then there's that process, you know, you have the investigation, blah, blah, blah. So it could take you year year and a half before you even before you even do your your first degree so you know making the process something that you have to earn and, and you know you you tried between degrees you have to read a lodge uh, pardon me read a paper an open lodge um making something that, that you earn has really added value to, to mariners and within the, the 12 years I've been in there I've, I've seen our, our numbers explode and it's not just putting butts in seats it's um participation and you know brothers show up to lodge because there's something to do there and um you know we actually have to bring extra chairs and sometimes to accommodate brothers so it's it's been an interesting decade with mariners Daniel, you were saying that your lodge was um, going into being a traditional observance. Have you noticed something similar as as the work got harder and that you got more people more involved? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Harmony was on death's door when when, when I when I uh, when I became a member. Um, I know they, they joke that the district deputy has a list of lodges that he should look at and everybody jokes, right? Oh, that's not real. No, it's absolutely real. When I was district deputy, they were like, all right, these are the following things you're gonna have to look at. And we were on it. They were expecting us to close. Um, and when we, about a decade ago, started looking at traditional observance as, as a model, um, and we started networking with them, you know, the Sonic Restoration Foundation, we had uh, Andrew Hammer out to the lodge. I mean, there was all sorts of things we did. Um, and as we raised the bar, the brothers as members raised with it. And then, you know, there was years where we were having, you know, 10, 10 brothers, you know, come through and they were all doing these, you know, what we would say are very high membership standards, you know, it took, they had to produce uh, a master's piece in order to go on to their third degree. They had to be fully proficient in all the work. They had to do reading assignments. I mean, and we just made it harder and harder and harder. And all it did was bring more and more men in and kept them. 
uh, which has been really the, the secret to our success in a lot of respects. So what I, I honestly believe in, in, in sweat equity in the lodge, you know, and we put our entered apprentices and fellow crafts to work in the kitchen. They serve dinner and clean up dinner for three years. They set up the lodge. They break down the lodge. And by the time that they're raised, they feel as if that lodge is theirs. They own it. They will show up and um, they do the work. You know, it's, it's not, it's not just given to them, you know, with, and, and like uh, Dean Talley was saying, you know, there, there has to be a lot of education and, um, a reason to show up for lectures beyond just, you know, making the guys work. But we found the more you gave them, the harder, the, I would say harder, but the more challenging you made it, the better off and the healthier our lodge has been. Tim, have you noticed anything like that in Pennsylvania? Cause I, you know, I've been out of the East since 2005 and you've been secretary. So you're more on the front line than I am. Well, I, I would concur that my um, what I've observed is that there there is nothing but strength to be gained by the lodge by upping your requirements and upping your um, expectations. Um, I don't know of a lodge in Pennsylvania that goes to the extent that Isaac described, but um, you know I certainly would concur that. When you make something valuable and worthwhile, then you really have to want it to really move forward with it. And so, um, when we uh, when we merged, I guess uh, eight years ago now, uh, the other lodge their dues were much lower than ours, um, and it was it was a big conversation because we had some of the highest dues around. Uh, but we've also got one of the highest memberships around also. Uh, and we've got good participation. Um, we, we had a couple of brothers that uh, dropped out of line for uh, various reasons, but uh, historically we've had strong officer lines. Um, our past masters um, take on a very supportive role um, of masters. I know when I was in the East, uh, basically the past masters were like, we're here for you if you need us. Otherwise, we're staying out of the way and just know we got your back. And so there was a great deal of freedom in that. And uh, I'm sure there are lodges like that. But uh, my experience uh, in Pennsylvania is that we don't have a whole lot of lodges that have the kind of expectations that uh, that was just described. So, so the other thing that the four of us all have in common um, is the – the, the mystic order of veiled prophets of the enchanted realm. Yeah, baby. Oh, a solemn yeah. institution. Uh, <laughs> most of the lead of organizations truly chosen. Right. So uh, we'll start left to right. Daniel, um, tell us a little bit about your grotto out there in, uh, in, in Buffalo. Oh, what can I say about Zalikia number 10? Um, well, it's actually one of the oldest concordant bodies in Buffalo. I believe we're older than the shrine, which upsets them greatly. <laughs> um, the, um, I mean, back in the day, so the, uh, Grandmaster um, Edward G. Gilbert, Grandmaster Gilbert, God, he's got to be, he's in his 80s. And he was telling me a story about when he was a little boy. And one of his first memories as a child is his father 
marching in the Zulika Grotto uh, band. They had a huge parade corps, and he remembers them marching down Main Street. And this is his first childhood memory, and he tells it to everybody who asks about Grotto. Um, you know, so it's a it's a strange history in some respects because it's such an old organization in Buffalo, and it's pretty contiguous. Um, outside of being, you know, ridiculous and run by miscreants and malcontents. Um, but it's just interesting that that history is all there. And really when you go through the whole thing, it's the grotto played such a huge part in Buffalo masonry, um, that it, it literally touched, um, I think every grandmaster, but one (laughs) and that came out of Buffalo and there's quite a few. Um, and, uh, can you show me on the trestle board where it touched you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Deep, deep, deep in my heart. Um, (laughs) I save. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, no, Grotto's is super active too, which is, is out of all the concordant bodies I'm in, uh, Grotto as of late has had like, <clears throat> I don't know, t- we've had classes of more than 10, which I think is pretty impressive because I don't think any, even I'm really involved in Royal Arch and out of one chapter in, 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 in our area, we don't get that many. So uh, Grotto's definitely, uh, definitely offers the fun and fellowship that, that we Masons demand. And uh, Isaac, you have there's some really cool history with, um, well, two really cool histories with Azim, the original guys, and then the modern guys that kind of like hit it with the paddles and brought it back. <laughs> well, the, the the original guys was Azim Grotto was were the oldest surviving Grotto, I believe, after Mokana, which is the the governing body. So if you're in the Supreme Council of Mystic Order Veiled Prophets of the Enchanted Realm. You're in Mokana Grotto. Uh, so they're the oldest. And uh, Azim were number seven, and we were founded in the Bronx in 1892, I want to say. Um, it, was, it was around, you know, since uh, – I'm trying to think of who – we had some bigwigs in there. So if you see, like, the, the, the symbol of the, uh, the Mokana – that was made in Azim Grotto. Um, it was it was kind. I don't think it was as popular as it was, as it was in Buffalo downstate. And uh, with me and uh, past monarch Victor Mann and a few other prophets took it over. It was held together by three prophets, uh, one of which had passed away and nobody knew about, and. Past monarch Leon Weinstein was paying the per capita out of pocket and holding on to the charter just so it wouldn't collapse. You know, and Leon, you know, he's he's getting up there. Leon's probably creeping up on 90 now. And he, he was gonna give it up, and we're like, hey, do not give this up. We got it. You don't have to do anything. Show up. We're paying for you. Hang out. And we ran with it. Um, other bodies that everybody's in, you know, we're all in Mecca Shrine, we're all in New York Valley. Um, the grotto offered a place that was just fun and informal, and a lot of a lot of brothers really kind of disparaged it and looked down on it, but it gave a lot of tri-state masons a tool where they can informally hang out, not worry about titles, rib each other a little bit, 
and get to know each other without the, you know, the, the full pomp and circumstance. And, you know, we kind of use it as a Petri dish for the shrine or for our, our, our lodges where you could kind of mess up with, not mess up, but you could experiment more with the grotto and take those lessons back to your lodges and apply them, you know, with events. And um, I would say I've been to six or seven lodges that needed somebody to come in and fill in as a junior warden that I had met in Azim. So it, was an, it is still an excellent means to connect with other brothers that you might not normally run into. And it's Azima's cooking, man. We're 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 doing good for the next hundred years. We, I would say, easily, we have the next twenty monarchs <laughs> ready to go. So we're good for 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 a generation. Uh, who knows where they'll go after that? And it's that's awesome. You know, and it's good to see. You know, there there's some younger guys like our current monarch Zach, who who's in, in line. He's our our uh, junior warden at Mariners. It gives a place for some younger brothers to feel comfortable speaking publicly. Uh, gives them an early opportunity to, to lead, and you know, you nobody's like focusing in on you to you're, that you're going to screw up in the grotto. You know, like oh, ha ha ha, you screwed up a little bit, but you don't have the weight and expectation on you as you do. And I've seen it's. I seriously believe that brothers who have left Azim Grotto after all the joking and all the fun, they've taken lessons from it and brought it to their lodges for, for their lodges benefit. And Tim, would you concur? Cause we, we restarted or we created Ubar about the same time as, uh, it's pronounced Isaac. Ubar. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the, uh, it, it, Ubar Grotto. Um, I remember Seth and uh, George Heinsohn talking about, the creation of it uh, a year or two before it happened and um, or maybe it was just a year before it happened. And I remember them asking me if I wanted to be a charter member. And I was working at the time in a job that had me literally on airplanes um, all the, every week in a hotel room, probably 150 nights a year. And I just couldn't do it. So I think I came in in year three, but um, no, I, I agree. And I, and I think the, uh, the camaraderie and the competition, if you will, the, the fun competition with Azim uh, really uh, makes it even more fun. Um, our guys love the Azimians, um, and then we love to rub them too. So uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a great uh, – and, and, and I have not been to a Supreme Council meeting. I had planned to go because uh, it's in my uh, home state of Kentucky, uh, but I'm guessing that's probably been canceled um, if not, it will be. Um, but uh, I hear that uh, we're two of the strongest grottos within the entire Supreme Council. You know, and the thing about Ubar is we love controversy. So, uh, you know, we wear those illegal fezes. Whatever do you mean? The Fezgate. You know, we had Fezgate uh, went through. Um, and um, that was a lot of fun, and it's still a lot of fun. So, um, no, I would agree. I think it is clearly – uh, gives the brothers that come together something they don't get anywhere else. Uh, I don't see us in competition with anybody, no. uh, any other uh, uh, body. And um, in fact, um, as you mentioned, uh, Isaac, I think um, 
most of us are all enshrined. We're all in the York Wright bodies. We're all in the valley of either Harrisburg or Reading. Um, you know, so, and, and we're not just in those bodies. We've, we are either leading them or have led them. And so um, it, it is a fun place to get away, have some fun. Um, and it, it's, it is truly one of my must go to meetings of a month. You know, I'm, I'm always amazed whenever we have our, <coughs> pardon me, my allergies. And allergies this time right now, it, it's not a good look. So, <laughs> pardon me. Um, people, oh, my God, it's uh, seasonal allergies. Um, so, anyway, um, when we started, we took it over. There's a, a prophet in our grotto named Rick Addison. And he owns, at the time, he owned five or six bars around New York City and hotels. He owns Monarch Lounge and a, and a couple others now. But we used to meet in rooftop, like, gazebos and glass pavilions, <clears throat> all these hotels in, in Times Square. And there were maybe six of us. And, you know, kind of, like, half-heartedly go through the opening, blah, blah, blah. And then we hang out, smoke cigars, and have fun. Now, when you come to an Azim Grotto meeting, it's in the Grand Lodge. The grandmaster's there. Um, you know, there's 40 prophets. We have a guy on the grand line now, the Supreme Council. And it's, you know, I came, I was monarch in 12. And we resuscitated it in, I think, 10 or 11. And from the, in that, you know, nine, 10 years, it's like a, a functioning real organization again. It's, it's kind of shocking. One kind of cool thing, and I'll bring Daniel back in on this. Um, we've all kind of become friends through Grotto, even though we're in separate cities. Exactly. You know, and we, you know, we hang out online. We have a, I, I can't mention the name, but we have a, a private group online that has nothing to do with Grotto. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I don't even know what you're talking about. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you referring to? Uh, what are you speaking of um but anyway but we've made like some really good friends all over the united states that our common link is where we are in grotto absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah you know you guys you guys get in trouble too you guys both designed some things uh that the grand (laughs) i don't i don't want to talk about um yeah. <laughs> Do you want some? I might. I have a lot of them left. Um, the shirt I know where it is right now. The shirt is still good. It's good again. I mean, is it banned again? No, no, it's not. It's, it's oh. well. Then I've got a, I got a couple of shirts available. <laughs> well, the Ubar guys want some shirts, so you yeah. tell us what sizes you have. We'll sell them. Double oh. I mean, I, I, as long as I, I don't get in trouble, I'll, I'll make more. <laughs> You're right. Daniel, Daniel's like, oh, I want to make some Hawaiian shirts. I'm like, oh, you got to throw this stuff on. Daniel did all of the heavy, the heavy work. That's all him. I just threw some stuff at him and he pulled it all together. And he, you know, he did it. Not, not that I'm casting blame, but he, you know, he's, yeah, he no. all the work. It's cool. Everybody almost gets kicked out of a corn potty. Um, <laughs> Neither got, so we were thinking, oh, Hawaiian shirt. There should be like hula girls on it. I'm like, I don't know, man. That, you know, that, yeah, you know, still Masonic body. We probably shouldn't have hula girls on it. Blah blah blah. And he's like, I don't know. It's a Hawaiian shirt. We didn't put a hula girl on it, right? 
thinking this is yeah, the most choice. acceptable thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to be mis- I don't want to be a misogynist. I'm not going to put a half naked woman on this shirt. We'll put something classy on it. The wholesome choice. There was a, a devil head on it. The whole world stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought I shot a judge. And yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, like what? This is a wholesome option. Yeah. So one of the one of the benchmarks is if we think the Supreme Council is going to have problem with something, we're definitely going forward. <laughs> well, I even got in trouble for the tie. I did the. Do you, does anybody have the the eight bit devil tie? Oh yeah, I, I do. Yep. It's, I love it. That, that that was also one of my fine creations. Um, and I got I got they got in trouble for that too. And I'm like, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. We we got to that because we have the the set. We have that black tie with the red stripes. Yeah. It's like a number seven with a devil yep. on it. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, Prophet Daniel Gian and I made that, and we just got in under the radar on that one. Nobody's nobody's noticed it. It look it looks like a collegiate tie until you get up close. <laughs> but they they didn't bust us on that one until now. Uh, I don't know. You know, you can't win. <laughs> so Tim, we need to design something down here in Lancaster, maybe a like an Amish hat fez there or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't put that many pins on it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so what do you guys Eddie, you guys have anything uh coming up Masonically in the future? Um are you guys laying low? I, I, I mean like uh man. officer lines and such. Uh, well, our current monarch is uh, Zach Ostro. Um, good kid, our lodge, Mariner 67. I feel bad for him because, you know, this year is pretty much shot. Maybe you should give him a, you know, the grotto. You can take it easy on him and let him just do another year. Um, after that, Anthony Ruffini, who has, has big promise. But, uh, you know, it's. Nothing's going down in New York City until next year, man. It's 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 pretty bad down here right now. Daniel, anything uh, on tap for you up in uh, Buffalo? Are you still an officer in anything? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm the secretary of my lodge. Um, Sucker. Yeah, I don't know why I said yes to that. Now there's no way out. The only way out is death. Um, <laughs> it's like you know, this is a lifetime appointment, and I'm like, I thought I was elected. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, I'm a trustee for, I'm a, I, I was just high priest. I'm a trustee there. Um, geez, I'm an off, I'm an officer in pretty much everything. I'm not AMD. Um, what else? No, I'm not, not, oh, York Ray college. I'm an officer in York Ray college. Yeah. I'm pretty busy. And there's all the grand lodge stuff I get to do. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Tim, what are you doing? You're just drinking, right? I'm drinking uh, right now. Um, actually I'm, I'm, I'm still doing, a bit of secretarial stuff for uh, Eureka West Shore Lodge number 302, where I'm secretary. Um, and <clears throat> we've been, knock on wood, the entire time um, we've only lost uh, one brother so far. Um, uh, so uh, although we do have uh, a couple of others that have been diagnosed with COVID-19 and um, we're um, obviously wishing them well and their families well, but uh, I am uh, if we ever get back, I'm uh, supposed to be going into the line of the Lodge of Perfection um, in uh, the Grand Valley of Harrisburg. Um, and so uh, looking forward to that. That's really the only other elected office that I'll be holding coming up. 
Yeah, I'm the uh, secretary for uh, Tall Cedars, and that's I'll probably be there till either I die or Tall Cedars dies. I don't know which will happen first. <laughs> oh, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on tonight. Um, is there anything you want to plug, uh, Daniel? Do you have uh, any more talks coming up? Yeah, we're uh, Grand Lodge, State of New York, with Leadership and Educational Services Committee is going to be hosting um, Masonic conversations the lecture series every tuesday um the information will be on the grand lodge's facebook page um my facebook page um, we actually have one coming up tomorrow um right worshipful uh, michael weisberg is doing a poem um called uh what is it to the benefit of the brethren um and it was actually i think he said it was actually done just first started during wartime when masons couldn't be together so it, it fits for what's going on today um, so it'll be really exciting. That starts at 7.30, um, and the dial-in information is all on the Grand Lodge webpage through Facebook. And you do have more shirts for sale for everybody that's listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I, – I mean, they might be weird sizes. I think I, I bought John Roberts an extra, like, whatever size. Extra petite? He, yeah, extra, like, small petite. So if anybody, like, wants one that they could make, like, a – I don't know, a tie or something, I have them. <laughs> Isaac, what uh, do you have anything coming up, uh, or are you just kind of laying low? We're we're just laying low, man. Sounds good. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, love to have you on again because there's some other topics I want to cover. Like, oh, love to pick your brain, Isaac, on your whole Bronx, your involvement with the Bronx. It's not Masonic, but I kind of I think it's interesting. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> be ready for a long show. Uh, well, we can break it up. Well, we'll we can get, always, f- we'll get brother Angel Hernandez in on it too. Oh, that sounds awesome. All right, Tim, do you have anything to offer before I uh, close everybody down? No. Um, to the, our guests, uh, if you've not signed up for our, uh, digital nights of the quarantine, uh, don't forget to do that. If you're listening to this show, it's too late. Uh, wait for it, the, the show to come out, um, soon and listen to it. It'll be great. Yeah, as of right now, we have 150 people have uh, donated 30 bucks to hear us screw up. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's All right. great. All right. Well, Isaac, I, um, since you're from the Bronx, you'll you'll appreciate the music going out, even though uh, more doesn't sound very Italian. Ah. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much. And... Uh, At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market, and a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6000.
1-800-242-9494. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. And we're back. So, everybody, thank you guys. Um, you got just got to hear Daniel and Isaac. Um, so let's go around the horn. Jack, what do you have coming up masonically in the next couple of weeks? <laughs> well, I think I have at least two papers to write. Uh, but other than that, it's just going to be keeping on studying the stuff I'm studying. I'm, I'm dredging my way through Albert Pike's esoterica right now. So that's a, that's a bit of a slug, but interesting stuff. So that's about all. Just trying to trying to keep my feet in it. Tim, you have anything going on? Uh, just every night, the uh, toast to absent friends and brethren at nine o'clock. Uh, you can get details on both the Masonic Light Podcast uh, Facebook page and website, um, or you can go to the Eureka West Shore Lodge website. Uh, every night at nine o'clock, uh, bring your favorite beverage and enjoy some fellowship. Josh. Uh, I think the only thing I have coming up is we're going to do our, uh, our lodges, uh, monthly get together on zoom. Um, but other than that, that's, uh, that's all I got. Are you going to play our degree? Uh, I don't (laughs) No, Nobody has asked me to play it yet. So I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily force it on them, but, uh, if somebody asked me to play it, I, I would think about playing it. That's your job as worshipful master to force stuff on people. That's right. You know, in your life, you can force them to do stuff. I am just a figurehead. Benevolent dictatorship, Josh. Never forget that. I am the titular head of Lamberton Lodge. What? (laughs) Who's going to go there? Who? No, no, I'm not going to take that low. So what do I have going on? Um, well, uh, I've been getting a lot of orders in for these jewels, and luckily some of those people are also ordering um, scarves and bandanas. So apparently in today's day and age, scarves and bandanas are the same as a face mask. So I guess that's good for Pete. Um, and I'm going to try to figure out something to do for our patrons. So if you're one of our Patreons, you might get a, uh, an email. If I, if I have in my email, what are you wearing? Please don't take it creepy. I'm trying to figure out your t-shirt size. <laughs> that what he's asking is, does your shirt have a collar or not? Okay. That's all. That, that's really just Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Um, all righty. I think we're going to get out of here. Do you have any news, Jack? I don't think so. Or do we? I did, I did not do new. I wore out Walter Cronkite at the uh, degree. So, and Larry, um, get well, buddy. Yeah. This will be getting released when you're getting sent home on Monday. So uh, once you're home and you get on the computer, we'll give you a call and uh, we'll let the listeners know how you're doing. And I think in honor of Larry, tonight we're just going to have chickens. I'll do an out the outtake on us and uh, we'll just let the chickens take us out it's the Larry Alrighty. Maris all, all chicken no turkey summer club band all chicken <laughs> all chickens all the time you want the chickens chickens